When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Chris Kattan. You're watching Hollywood Raw. Get ready to hear about my days on Saturday Night Live and how Night Roxbury came to be. Hey everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood raw there's a reason from page six to tmz daily mail and people magazine everyone is talking about the hollywood raw podcast with dax holt and adam glenn what's up welcome to the hollywood raw podcast i'm dax holtz i am not joined by adam glenn because i have no idea where the hell he's at however we got chris Catan on today you know him from saturday night live and night at the roxbury and Oh my God, he is a legend when it comes to SNL alumni. Um, so I'm going to jump right in because I don't know where Adam's at, and we're going to move along with the show, and hopefully he joins us at some point. Uh, Chris, welcome, buddy. Chris, oh my God, dude, I am so excited to be talking to you right now. You have no idea how this makes my day. I, I've like so I, there's a couple moments in my life because I was such a huge Saturday Night Live fan, like huge, huge. I remember just growing up and uh, it was always kind of like my thing to do with my friends was watch Saturday Night Live. And you were such a big part of just my life in general, not just my childhood, but just my life and all your movies and everything. So it's very cool to be talking to you right now. Um, I'm sorry, Adam's not here. He should be here any second. But of course, he's running late right now. That's fine. They're probably... <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you have a very large parking lot. He, you know what? Know. He does. He does live in New York, so my guess oh, is, okay. you know, there, there's probably parking problems that he he's stuck, can't find the parking spot. He's probably freaking out right now. But well, we're gonna go is, ahead. What if, is it? If he is driving, that's the worst in New York. I mean, you probably know that that driving it's horrible is horrible like, out there. How horrible. do you even? I couldn't even imagine trying to find a parking space in New York City. It doesn't make sense to me. How long that's, did you live out there? Uh, I think in total, probably about 12 years. Okay. And, and you live in LA now, correct? I do. Well, yes, I live here. Um, I have a place in LA. Yeah. And so why did you, is New York just not a place where you want to live full time basically? Uh, no, I would love to. Um, I, I made that choice, uh, years and years ago when my dad was, uh, uh he he lived well he passed away but um before that he um he lived in sherman oaks in the valley and so i wanted to be closer to him uh when he got older so um you know because just kind of take care of him and mm -hmm. that kind of thing so you know uh, i wanted to be closer to him so i moved back to los angeles That's and I, I never you know i moved to new york to to be on saturday night live and uh and uh that's why I, I moved there so um 
yeah, so I, I, I had more of a, LA always felt more like a, of a home, but I love New York. I mean, my God, I, if I could live there, I would live there probably over Los Angeles, maybe, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. it's such a great city. I was there last weekend and uh, with my girlfriend and we went there and, and uh, was that for the rush. Fallon show? I was to go huh? on Fallon, yeah, to be on Fallon. He, he, my brother was on Fallon. Uh, he was uh, his name's Andrew, and uh, he's he lives in Seattle. But he was playing with a band called The Head and the Heart, and they were on Fallon. And I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be great to come support you. And you know, Jimmy and I are friends, of course. And 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 we went there, and and uh, we're backstage, and and that was really fun. And my girlfriend had had hadn't met uh, Jimmy before, so we wanted to make a New York trip out of it. So we did that and we saw, we also went, we went to go, I said, well, we should, maybe we can go see a Broadway play. We saw Music Man with Hugh Jackman. That's awesome. <laughs> He's actually performing cool. on stage right now. Huh? He's actually performing on stage right now. Yeah. Oh, well, that's know, this very moment, but he might be. <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe he's still on stage all the time. It's very possible that Hugh Jackman lives on stage constantly. Well, how he's was his performance? Performer. It's like, I mean, you know, Wolverine and Les Mis, and then he's like doing these musicals. He's such a strong performer. It's pretty wild. But we had great seats, and that was fun. You know, uh, we got to see Hugh Jackman's veins on his forehead. That was cool. <laughs> I was like counting his veins and like God, it's like five, six, seven veins. <laughs> it's the, the veins in his head and then his veins in his arms because he's like one of the most ripped guys in Hollywood. Yes. It's ridiculous. And like you right. said, he he's the most versatile guy in Hollywood, going from yeah, Wolverine to musicals. Like not everyone can pull that off. It's pretty amazing. And uh he insisted on wearing no shirt during the music band. <laughs> Because of his veins. So, <laughs> well, I think if Hugh Jackman is wearing a shirt, there's something wrong, right? I mean, I, I feel like right. yeah. people just well, expect him to be shirtless. That's... Hugh Jackman with a shirt is unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, how was how was seeing Fallon though? Because I I feel that you know people that have worked on Saturday Night Live, they kind of had this camaraderie, and yeah, obviously you guys weren't there during the same time, but I, I'm sure you you've worked with him in some capacity. So what, you know, how is it meeting up with Fallon? Uh, oh, it's always great to see him. Um, you know, he's such a sweet guy and, and he's, you know, just like the guy last, you know, during SNL, he's, he's hilarious. And he's one of the sweetest guys in the business. And, uh, he was, um, uh, was it last year too? I think I went back. To, oh, I was on Seth Meyers last year on in December, and uh, I wanted to come down. There, it, it's Thirty Rockefeller Center. For those who don't know, Thirty Rockefeller Center has SNL, of course, the Studio Eight H, and there's Seth Meyers has his show late night with Seth Meyers, and uh, he's on the kind of the eighth floor as well. I think he's also on the eighth floor, uh, and Jimmy's on the seventh floor, the Tonight Show. So. Uh, when I was on Seth, I was like, I, I would love to go downstairs and see uh, Jimmy. And uh, so the one of the pages took me down to see Jimmy and they they had a, a, a spare dressing room. So they like set me up in a dressing room, which was really nice of Jimmy. That's the kind of guy he is. He's so cool. And, and um, 
we're, uh, so this happened again, like this weekend, I, I texted him and said, hey, we're going to be out there this weekend, and it'd be fun to say hi, and he put me in, uh, gave me a dressing room again, <laughs> which is so nice, because usually you would just stand backstage and, and just say, you know, I'm going to stand and get every, get out of everyone's way, because it's their show, and I'm not even host, I'm not a guest, so, I mean, I'm a guest of his, but I wasn't a guest on the show, so um, he's just such a sweet guy but every time i go back there i get this rush in 30 rock of like how it felt you know like when i was on snl it's this incredible feel of home it feels like home but it feels like home for your creativity as well it's just like sorry it feels like um it just feels like uh you're breathing again in a way i don't know i can't explain it it's like i'm sure you have that where you work or, or had a sense of that in your life where no, you absolutely create or, you know, you had your place of uh, place where you could be inspired and, and, and that feeling of working with other people, you know, and um, I really miss that. That was such a great time in my life on SNL. And it, and I felt that again, seeing Seth and seeing Jimmy and every time I go back and just say hello to those guys in that building, you know, well, um, well, if do you do you also stop by Saturday Night Live? Because if you're seeing them, do you then stop I in did. on, on Saturday and cast? So, uh, of course, <laughs> it would be funny if it's the exact same cast. That but I you're 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 a staple. That's hey, the thing. Like, it's not. Wait. <laughs> but the thing is, like, you're years. <laughs> you're one of the biggest names that have left there. So, like, I, I feel like oh, there's just sweet. an open door when Chris Kattan shows up. I got to imagine they're like, come on in, sir. Like, come watch well, the, they... the show. I mean, the crew was so nice. Yeah, they're very like, um, uh, yeah, they didn't say sir, but they said Chris. And <laughs> <laughs> but um, there were, uh, yeah, I mean, the crew's still there. They have the same crew that's been there for since day one. I mean, that's what makes that show so tight and so, so, you know, the production's so good, you know, when you watch the show and when you hear about how they, that, that it's live of course and and that they put these they do these sketches and then in between commercial break is when they switch you know they'll move the set and replace it with another set and um you know and it wouldn't happen without that kind of a crew without a crew like that that's so so uh so good and so sharp, tightly wound you know they're just so not and they're so kind and sweet so saw the you know saw everybody in the crew and that was just so nice they came over and said hello and it that's was awesome. great that's that's fun. I, I want to get into more saturday Night live but i want to get into big brother right now because you obviously oh, yes. just got back from doing big brother celebrity My question big is, brother celebrity big there is brother. a difference there is a very <laughs> big difference you're right i'm sorry celebrity big brother that's okay but my question for you is do you have a different respect now for people that are doing those shows like survivor or celebrity big brother that really keeps you or even the bachelor that keeps you away from the outside world for so long um yeah i mean you always have a I mean, that, that show's been going on, I guess, or The Big Brother. Celebrity Big Brother's been going on for just, uh, this This was the third season. Uh, uh, I guess Big Brother's been going on for, 20, I don't know, 15, 20 years or something like that, maybe? Mm -hmm. that um, sounds about right. And um, you always wonder how it's done 
so well and and you know um especially when it goes live um that's pretty wild the celebrity big brother does go live uh, uh, sometimes when they're doing eliminations or certain games are happening physical games um but you're uh it's really um it's fascinating how they do it um you know i mean the for me it was difficult to do the the 24 7 thing you would think would be like oh that'll be fine and I came on the show wanting to have a really fun time and having a great time, but the I had a difficult time <laughs> with the whole alliancing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a uh, I that was not fun for me because <laughs> I'm not. I well, mean, there's a th- lot of strategy on these shows, right? And like, yeah, if you're I'm not, not really uh, good at that, um, and uh, it's hard for me to have uh, conversations with people when they're they might be having alliances mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. So there's that conversation you have uh, that's, well, there really is just one conversation. There's that conversation, you're trying to have a conversation with somebody uh, normally, but then you realize there's a microphone on you and um, some people ask will ask questions to you that are can be rather personal. Yeah. And you're like, that's are they really asking him? I want everyone in the world to be asked that, unless you're trying to say something for me to say in, in yeah. front of everyone in the world. <laughs> and do you think so, that they? Do you think people specific like will ask those questions because they want that moment? They want that in-depth moment on TV, or they're just doing it for ratings or for a publicity moment? Or do you think people that, are genuinely forget about cameras and they're just like, oh, you know, like I just want to get to know you. I'm just forget that the world's watching. Well, I would like to think it was about forgetting about the camera, but um, I don't know if that is the case. Sometimes it's hard to tell and hard to gauge that. Um, Hey, Chris, I I have some breaking news for you. What? My co-host decided to show up finally. Oh, (laughs) let's let's bring him in. There he is. Big buddy. That's what it is. It's New York City traffic. Chris, thank you for doing the podcast. It's uh, (laughs) a big fan, but New York City traffic and it's it's not fun. No, (laughs) it it totally makes sense. I we were just discussing how crappy New York City traffic is. I was like, if you're actually driving, I don't know if you're driving or in a cab or what or Uber. It's brutal, man. It's uh today's like the first nice day, so everything's going crazy. But uh, it's not about me. It's about you. Thank you for doing it. Actually, <laughs> I, like you guys were talking about, I actually thought you were really good on Big Brother, and I respect you for doing the show, and I also respect you for stepping away from the show. You know, I saw that you said recently, like, you know, you went, you left for personal reasons with stuff going on in your family. And I, I think that was a big, you know, especially to walk away from experience as being a celebrity. To And I'll say positive things about your experience as well on the show. I, I commend you for that because uh, I think it's, good to take the high road but it sounds like he did have a good experience but he also had a valid reason why you left the show yeah i did i did have a good experience i mean i with the people i really liked the people that were on the show for sure um i think it was uh i think the alliancing stuff was very uh difficult to to uh be around it was very much like high school and in the sense of like you know clicks and things like that and when they're not telling you what's really going on and going on is can be very uh well you also don't know if it's real you're like is this a real friendship or is this just an alliance friendship so that you right. can move on to 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 win this show who who would did you connect with the most on celebrity big brother um well i think uh 
I connected it with some a little bit with everybody. I think uh, Teddy at first, and then Carson for sure. I mean, mostly Carson, I think, because he was so fun and light, and um, and that's what I wanted to do on the show. I approached the show with just like wanting to have a good time and having fun, and and um, you know, like Tom Green did uh, in the prior season on Celebrity Big Brother. You know, he he seemed to have a really good time, and and. Um, and uh, I thought that would be a, a great way to approach it. I mean, I approach everything, all my work or anything like that, with a, a sense of having fun and having a good time with other people, you know. But did when you, it gets serious, did you know these guys before the show? Like, did you know who was going to be on the show? And did you ever, did you, were you friends with these people beforehand? No, I met Carson, uh, but uh, I did not know. They don't tell you, um, they're not allowed to tell you. Uh, uh, who's who else is going to be on the show? Um, you know, there were there were some rumors um, like, oh, blah 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 is going to be on the show, or you know. But um, I had no idea. I don't think anyone had any idea who was going to be on the show because they like to reveal that surprise when you enter. So you go, oh my god, it's you know somebody from <laughs> you know. And so I was, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised and and. Um, but yeah, they like to keep that as a surprise because of the the uh, the reality show benefit of it. I think, absolutely. You know, did and you, they also don't any... tell you like where you're gonna roommate with exactly. You kind of pick out a bed as well, and uh, they don't really set that up. Although there was one long bed, and when you know when uh, Lamar was there, I was <laughs> I I was like, I think that must be Lamar's bed. Well, wouldn't it be great though if you just went and stole his bed? And you were like, huh? no, 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 I, I'll take the long bed. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> you can have you can have the other bed, Lamar. I don't care. Just go take the other bed. Right. Was, there, was there anyone that you 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 connected with the least? I guess that just like, oh, they, they they're nice, but you didn't really have a true connection with them. Um, I think uh, I think I connected with everyone pretty much. Um, because um, I like to connect with people, but I think. There's, there's maybe a one or two people that were hard to, that were, you know, when they started doing the Alliance thing, that would just kind of push me off. And, mm -hmm. and it was hard to connect with someone. I mean, imagine you just being in a, in a friendship with somebody and they start uh, asking you questions that are like, you know, so tell me about your second marriage. Like, where did that <laughs> come from? And why are you asking me this right now? Oh, that's right. We're on network television. So was there ever a moment, though, that you, like, forgot cameras were watching? Because that's what a lot of people say is when they do, like, a show like Big Brother, they get to a point where they just forget cameras are on them. Did you get to that point, or you were pretty, like, aware most of the time? No, I forgot about it because that was – I prefer forgetting about a camera that's on me uh, when you're engaging in a conversation that seems real. You know, because um, it doesn't make sense to me to have a conversation that's f false. <laughs> Forgive me for thinking yeah. that. Way. I mean, it's just it's a weird thing to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't that isn't real. So when you think there's a conversation you're having, you're going to assume it's real. So when it's a conversation you have with somebody, and then all of a sudden it sounds like this is not something a, a person would say in reality, uh, then you're like, oh wait a minute, that doesn't. I guess I'm supposed to pretend to have a conversation that's real, but it's not. So that could be disengaging. 
and uh, that could push you off a little bit. And that's what made me want to go to my bedroom and stay there for a while <laughs> until that would go, that would pass. And then I come back and have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, I was really excited for you to come on the podcast. And the reason is, um, you know, I first got to see you on SNL and SNL is very generational. You know, it's, uh, you know, the people on the new cast, they do a good job, but you're, you know, and I'm not trying to age you at all, but you know, when I was growing up, you know, you were the big part of my, SNL years, you know, when I was learning about the show and, you know, so, I mean, me and my friends, we still quote your stuff today from your movies to your TV shows. So I, you know, it's, it's very cool to talk to you. My question for you is how did you get SNL? Like, yes, you were doing improv and ground links, but how does SNL get aware? We get, they get to find out who you are and like what your deals and said, maybe we should, you know, audition this guy. Um, well, I was like you said in the ground links and, um, uh, I know that, you know, you needed at that time, you needed uh, some sort of an outlet to be seen, you know, unlike now where you could be on YouTube or you can have a you could submit a short or a digital video or anything like that. So it's a whole different situation now. But back then, uh, you really just had hopefully to be seen somewhere like Rowling's or Second City. And uh, so uh, Lauren Michaels, uh, I think. I guess Marcy, Marcy Klein was working with him, who's this great producer. And she, she came to the show and she suggested uh, that Will and Sherry and Jennifer Coolidge and I f be flown to Saturday Night Live to audition. So we did. And, and that's really how it was, basically. It was just a, uh, she's this great talent scout. So for Saturday Night Live. And then um, we, we went to uh, SNL and we did the audition and, and uh, which is the audition is basically, I think it's seven minutes and you show them four new characters, one impression and one political impression. And I did uh, the gibberish guy. I don't know if you remember that one. His name yeah. is Sewell Forrester. He was a school, uh, a math teacher. He was he was just speak like you go like, good afternoon. I'm Sue Marner. I'm going to be here. at <laughs> and, uh, it was silly it's a silly character but lauren loved that character which is funny and and that uh and then i did mr peepers the monkey character and uh, i had a boom box that would narrate what i was doing you know just saying this is mr peepers he's four, 43 years old he's from the amazon blah 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 and i would stand on his stool and then you know balance on the stool on one foot um, and then eat an apple and then spit it out all over the place. <laughs> and then <laughs> I did some guy dancing that wasn't a Roxbury guy, but it was a guy just on a date that was kind of moving to the music. It was just kind of a guy who was dancing to the music for, for a girl. And, um, but there was no girl on stage. So there was, just, it's just you, you're the only person on stage. And um, then I did a Christian Slater impression. <laughs> of all I did Christian, I don't know if you remember, but Christian Slater was an interview with a vampire. And I did Christian Slater interviewing a vampire. And I was like, so uh, you're a vampire? Uh, the story you're telling me is amazing. It's incredible. And then, and then who is the political one? <laughs> I think I did Cuomo. As my impression, <laughs> and it was terrible. 
<laughs> and um, and I laughed because it was so bad. <laughs> this is so good. I and love. Then I heard Marcy and I think Lauren laugh while I was doing that, which is kind of uh, endearing that they laughed because I was laughing, which is really sweet because um, they laughed at something that wasn't supposed to be laughed at, but they laughed at that because I was laughing, which is nice. So that connection. It was nice that SNL loves uh, when the performer laughs, you know, at themselves. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. Some, really some of the funniest skits are literally when people break character and they just start laughing. Like uh, some really good ones. What was it? Pretty intense being in front of Lauren that that first time. I, I mean, walking into that room and knowing if I get this, it could change my life. Um. Yeah. Well, that. There were two parts of that. The, there was the audition, and then there was another time we were flown out, and um, it was just a sit down with him and Steve Higgins, uh, who uh, who's uh, also on the Tonight Show, and he's uh, the head writer at SNL, and uh, one of the head writers at SNL, and he's been there well since back then, which was '96, I guess. Um, that was just a sit down on the 17th floor. There's a seven. I don't know if you know about that, but there's a the the first half of the week on SNL is uh, the writers part of the week, and we're all on the 17th floor, and uh, his office is there. So I was just sitting down with him and Steve Higgins, and Steve pretty much just asked me questions while Lauren just listened, basically. So yeah, I was definitely nervous, you know, um, and uh, I didn't know. I think I over talked a lot. I think I said like. For some reason, I, I my dad is a, was an actor and he's from the Growlings and I, and he did uh, some cartoon voices and he's been on like the Jeffersons and the stuff like that. So I kept talking about my dad as if that was a way to help me get on SNL. Like, so my dad uh, is a Smurf voice. <laughs> <laughs> he does Taylor Smurf. And Lauren's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like great. As if that's really gonna get me in. <laughs> So your class, who your your SNL grad, um, rookie class was you, Will, Sherry, um, Jennifer Coolidge. Did she get on with you guys, or did she even get on the show? Did she? She she, she did not. No, no. Okay. But she, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's great. Uh, she was in she the ground well. with us. She should have gone on. Obviously, she's incredible. Yeah. But I think Steve Carell also auditioned uh, that season as well, and did not get it. Wow. That's, I mean, listen, uh, props to Marcy for actually to notice the talent that was there. I mean, that's a great class. Unfortunately, they didn't get the job, but fortunately they did do well. So who was your office uh, roommate per se? Because everyone is kind of matched with a roommate. Who was, who are you sharing an office with? Uh, When I first got there, I was with David Spade and uh, this writer, Hugh Fink, that wrote with uh, David. And uh, it was, um, so I, I, was in the office with him, um, which was wild because I was brand new and he'd been there for a while and he was kind of like on the tail. He was like the last of his generation that was still there because he was doing a, a weekend update. Uh, I think it was Hollywood Minute or something. I think that was the name of the thing he did yeah. on Weekend Update. And um, he was in that in that room. So it was like the the one that's been there for the longest and the guy who's brand new. So I was like jumping all over the place and being super hyper, which probably doesn't really work with Spade's energy. <laughs> He's just like, Oh God. <laughs> I, the, the, um, but I was such a fan of his, you know, I mean, I was like everything from 
you know, bye-bye and who's Tom Petty and, and, and uh, you know, uh, so that was very, uh, I was a big fan of it. I mean, I'm still a big fan of his, but uh, that was my first roommate. And then I went, moved over to, and then the next season, uh, I went over to the other side of the 74 and I was with Colin Quinn. So sure. Colin and I were uh, roommates after that. Yeah. That's, so and, I, oh, love, I love moved over. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. No, do you get to pick your office mate or do they say, okay, you're going to be sharing an office with David Spade or you're going to share an office with Colin Quinn. How does that work as far as the uh, partnering of the office? They would just assign me. They would just tell me where I'm going to go. I mean, you're already getting along with the cast, so it's not like uh, it's nothing you're going to go like, hey, I don't want to be in that office with that person or anything. You know, you're going to be fine with that person because the cast gets along so well. And, and but that was um, so Colin was so funny. I mean, I you guys know Colin probably. Sure. Or, uh, yeah, Colin. of course. He's, he's such a smart, funny guy. And uh, yeah, I miss that. He, he was uh, he was he was great to be in the he also I think he had vertigo so and and I think he had vertigo moments so he, they put him right in front of a window and I was like why would they put you I was like why don't you want to switch desks or something because I'm literally facing a wall maybe it'd be best <laughs> you know you I, would not face the window you, you worked with you know with this incredible group of people everyone's so funny and I feel like the pitch meetings at SNL are legendary because they're so funny. Who do you feel, though, was like the funniest person in the room? That's what I always want to know is like, who is the one person that you're like, damn, this person knocks it out of the park every time? Uh, like during read through? Anytime. Just they kept you in stitches all the time. Uh, well, Will was hilarious. I mean, Will would, uh, he had an alter ego named Ron and. <laughs> He would dress up as Ron, <laughs> I think on Tuesday, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? But it was an alter ego and this green outfit and this little little scarf and these glasses. And you just walk around and go, I'm Ron. And <laughs> Is this where Ron Burgundy came from then? <laughs> huh? Is this where Ron Burgundy came from then? No, it had nothing to do with Ron Burgundy. <laughs> it was just it's him true. being going crazy and being a being... random character. I, I love I it. Was had nothing to do with uh, that character, um, but um, it was a guy named Ron. But Ro Will always made me laugh. But he always made me laugh during the Groundlings, and and uh, he was just such a funny guy. And I remember doing like um, back in the Groundlings, we did this uh, exercise, this improv exercise, where we were supposed to look at each other's uh, face and. Um, we were supposed to look at each other's face and not break character. And I, I, we weren't even, I'm sorry, we weren't even in character. We were just supposed to not break at all. And uh, we couldn't, it was like impossible because <laughs> he was just so funny. And I guess like, I guess I was funny to him too, but we just could not, it, why couldn't we just look at each other <laughs> without laughing? It was impossible. And we didn't do any, he didn't do anything. He was just making me laugh. <laughs> When, when you're on a show like that, obviously as a young actor and there's so much, uh, you know, there's so much, there, there is competition, you know, everyone wants to be on the show and there's only so much time on the show. How are you feeling mentally? I mean, I got to imagine the stress level is so high that it's hard to be funny because, I mean, how, just what were you going through during your time at SNL mentally? Um, I was, um, 
I didn't, I don't know when I was stressed out. There really wasn't too much time to be stressed out, really. It's such a short, it's a week, but it's like, you know, you're producing, uh, you're, you're, you're writing your own sketches and writing it with another writer. And, um, and you're thinking already about, sometimes you're thinking about the next week when you're during this, the week, you know, week when you're with another person as a guest host. So you're always on your toes and, um, you're so involved in like your character that week and making sure that sketch that you're doing is as polished as possible, you know, and uh, that everybody's happy in it and um, all that stuff. So it's not a lot of time to be stressed. I always feel like, you know, to be stressed, you kind of need time to have stress <laughs> in a weird way, yeah. you know. Do you, do you remember and, um, your... Do you remember your first skit that actually made air though? Cause we're like thinking back to like, that's, that is a pretty big moment for you to be writing these skits, but for your first one to make air, I got to imagine is a pretty big milestone. Um, it was, it was that character, the gibberish guy, the Sewell Forrester character. And um, when I first did it, it read through, which was my first week on SNL. Um, it, uh, didn't get a lot of laughs, but um, I didn't know if that was because of the character or because it's me and I'm brand new to the cast. And uh, I wasn't quite sure, but um, it didn't phase me because I didn't know. I didn't know there was a laugh meter like, you know, that this is how many if, if it kills in the room, then it'll make it on air. That kind of thing. I didn't know that yet. So it didn't get a lot of laughs. It got some chuckles. But Lauren was smiling the whole time. I thought, wow, if Lauren likes it, maybe it has a shot. And uh, and then it, it surprisingly made it in the show or the the lineup. And uh, and then we rehearsed it. And because I had already done it on the growling stage, I was pretty comfortable with the character and with the sketch itself. Um, that I didn't look at the cue cards either. Uh, so I felt very comfortable with it. So um, it not only made it to dress, uh, it made it to air. And then it ended up making it to the fir uh, first sketch of the night. So, which was really pretty amazing for uh, for me. I was Quite so a home excited. run for your first sketch, dang. Yeah, first sketch, first show, and first sketch of the night. And um, I think that was, um, yeah, and it was all because of Lauren, really, I think. And then the audience, of course, uh, reacted to it when it was, when it went to, when it was during, um, uh, dress rehearsal at eight o'clock, and uh, but uh, had it not been for Lauren, uh, you know, I don't think it would have been got in the show. But that was the first character, Sewell Forrester, and then it came back, of course, like because you can't understand what he's saying. It came back as a drill sergeant, you know, shiny so I see my fitted ass. Came back there, and then <laughs> did him as an air traffic controller. So which, here you go. Which which character do you feel like most people? either resonated with or talk about to this day like for me it'd be mango like that to me made me laugh out loud every time even think about it right now makes me laugh so like what character <laughs> did most people funny. talk to you about um you mean now yeah like, now yeah uh i guess you know people like the mango i think uh also a lot of kids now are are, are liking the characters i've done because of the internet and youtube and all that stuff so they they, um, you know, my, um, uh, th there's these, uh, this kid, uh, uh, this kid, this child, I don't know. 
Her name's Jordan, and she she's eight years old, and she loves the Mr. Peepers. And uh, I was like, how would you know about that? And it must be the <laughs> internet. But she was like, can I watch Mr. Peepers? You know, I was like, oh, you want? Are you sure? I wonder if that's a. I guess that's appropriate. You know, like, you know, you eat an apple and you hump things. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like, I guess that's what that character does sometimes. I do. <laughs> Much like children, anyway. Just, just random stuff. But uh, um, yeah, so that the kids seem to like pe- peepers and 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 mango sometimes. But uh, I guess, well, I guess overall it would probably be the Roxbury guys. I mean, if you sure. really think about it, that's probably yeah. what people mostly uh, identify or not identify with. But they 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 seem to like the most because of that song. What is love? gets in their head and then they love that song and, and then they just got to start moving their necks yes the the head bop they <laughs> love that head bop and, which was just so it's funny how the power of the media just like you know one little thing and everybody catches on to it sometimes it's really wild so when you uh you know there's writing meetings guest uh the guest host is able to bring some uh some ideas to the table do you remember any guest hosts that actually had very, very funny ideas that they brought to the writer's room? Um, I think there's been some, God, who wasn't? I think Tom Hanks always comes in with ideas because he's so playful. He comes on the show and he, he always has, he always had some ideas and he, 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 he's one of those hosts that comes on and also just lets it go with the, with the cast, like whatever you guys want to do, I'll do. So that's really, uh, that's, that's really cool that people do that when they come on the show. I'm trying to remember if anyone, if anything, I think they usually come on with impressions sometimes, you know, some actors will have uh, different impressions that they want to do. Or, they're open to poking fun at themselves and their career or something they've done in films, you know, uh, you know, like guy, you know, who was really good was, um, what impression was it? It was her swank came on the show and she did. What did she do? She was like really good. Um, and, uh, you know, who really surprised me though. That was great. I mean, I wasn't on the show at the time was Harry Styles. Yeah. He was awesome. Very talented. So cool. I love it when um, someone you don't, you wouldn't think could really like, you know, do so well on the show, uh, do these characters so well and just, you know, come from an actor approach, I think a little bit. And he did that. And he was like, so strong. Well, speaking of kind of like a Justin Timberlake. Sure. Speaking of music and stuff and, and these performers, did you get to watch a lot of the performances or were you too worried about your next skit and what's going to happen next? So you didn't get to see these amazing acts on stage. You mean watch other sketches? Not the sketches. I'm talking about the musical acts oh, the music. in right. between. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Everyone would come out and watch. Uh, watch them perform. So there was I mean enough time unless you had to put a ball cap on or a skin cap i mean or something like that uh for a sketch that was coming up but usually the musical guest was before weekend update and if you weren't on weekend update then um then you'd be able to watch the musical performance um so there was a little bit of time and almost everybody that was a fan of whoever was performing would come out on come out on the set uh come out on stage and uh 
watch in the studio and watch that performance. I mean, you know, from like, I remember when David Bowie was on and I was freaking out and so cool. that was phenomenal to watch him. You know, I wanted to, I'm such a big Bowie fan and to see him perform was so cool or, you know, the cure or Springsteen, of course, or, you know, you too. That was pretty amazing. Who uh, was, yeah. I got, who was the most difficult guest host that you've seen there during your time? Difficult. It's just difficult to work with her as far as being creative or didn't want to do the work. Didn't really know like the work because SNL, is, you guys work so hard on the show that really just wasn't prepared for the work that gets that's involved with the show. Uh, I think um, I, I don't know anyone specifically. I guess people that are from a world that's not comedic or um, even uh, uh, acting as well. Like uh, someone in sports usually has a little bit more of a difficult time. Um, but you would hone it towards that sports figure, you know, to make it comfortable for them. You know, I think it's about making that person comfortable. Yeah. Because you can't really put a square peg in a circle. You have to kind of accommodate. So it makes that person look good. And the, the yeah. more you make the guest host look good, the better it makes you look good. It makes the show sure. look good overall. You know? So obviously the Roxbury was a huge hit made into a movie. I loved when, uh, Jim Carrey came on and did it with you guys. I mean, I yeah. still YouTube that episode of Jim Carrey on SNL because it was every single sketch was just, you know, solid banger, banger, banger. And then when he did Night at the Roxbury, you guys went so, like, so physical, but it was so funny to see you three guys doing it. How was it like to work with Jim Carrey and his involvement on the show on SNL? Because he auditioned for SNL, weirdly enough, didn't get it, but again, did very well. But how was it like to work with Jim on it? Oh, that was amazing. That was a life changer for me because, well, first of all, it was Jim Carrey and he's like, you know, a god in physical comedy and, and comedy in general. And he was, he like put, the first time we did the Roxbury guys on Saturday Night Live, Will and I did it. It was just us two. And uh, we basically did it the way we did it at the Growlings, which was just us, you know, bopping our heads. And then... Uh, all we said was the word score, and that was it. And then then Jim Carrey came on, and it was Fred Wolf's idea to do um, uh, to do uh, a third guy. Fred Wolf is this great writer and, and a director, too, now. And he did House Bunny, and he does a lot of Joe work with his yeah. Really gifted guy. And he, um, he did, um, he said, like, why don't you have Jim be a third guy in the Roxbury? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And and uh, I asked Will, and Will was like, yeah, that might be a good idea. And then we were, you know, bopping our head like that, you know. And But Jim's head was like <laughs> <laughs> going so far over. But like, oh, my God. He just made it like, I guess we got to keep up. Because <laughs> he's so, he's so like, his body's Musical. like rubber sometimes. And, and we just were like, I guess we'll just keep up now. And we're really going to like, you know go for it and he just made that sketch those two characters just lifted it to another level in fact when he was on that show the whole cast and the whole show in general i think kind of went up to another bar you yeah. know and uh that was just like it was inspiring and it was just like i mean you know i was such a fan of his but like he really like balls out because a lot of people come on and they're like, you know, I am this person and you guys accommodate and I'll have a good time. But Jim Carrey works, his, you know, ass off that whole week. 
and did some amazing sketches. There's a sketch on there uh, on that show that he hosted called, um, I don't know what it was called, but it was about Will and him in a jacuzzi and he played a yeah. lifeguard. Maybe it's called Lifeguard. Yes. Jim so Carrey good. was a lifeguard and Will was just sitting in a jacuzzi. But yeah, it was a jacuzzi. So he played a, a, a lifeguard for a jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> That was the funniest episode. He's splashing around. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to save him from a jacuzzi and insisting so that he must be drowning. And oh my so god, it was so good. With with, um, with all the neck bobbing, did that like when you're filming the show, where you're just like, oh god, I'm gonna have a kink in my neck after this? Because not only did you do a show, the show, then you're doing a movie. Was that a lot of neck bobbing to go on? Yes, there was a lot <laughs> for sure. There was a lot of neck bobbing going on. Uh, and, uh, it was, you know, in the movie and for the rest of my life, there was <laughs> a lot of <laughs> neck bobbing going on, um, but I'm happy to say I could still neck bob. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I remember we, watching we, being we, like, um, I would do it and be was, like, oh God, my neck hurts just doing it for five seconds. I mean, you just stretch, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 there was, oh, I was going to say that there was a lot of guest hosts that came on the show that were like. Maybe this guy could do a Roxbury. Or Lauren was like, why don't you try Roxbury with Stallone? So we did a Roxbury with Stallone. And he couldn't really... It was funny to see who could move their heads, who couldn't move their heads. <laughs> <laughs> who else did you guys want? Who else came in and they were like, nope, can't do the neck bob? Uh, I think... Oh, Nicholson. Jack Nicholson did the neck sense. bob. But he was like... <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, it's Nicholson. What are you going to do? You're not going to say like, uh, do it right. Or could you do a little further? You're not going to tell him what to do. It's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> that is so funny. You were on SNL. There is no social media. And now there's social media. So it's like, we'd only see you once a week. You know, we always saw you on Saturday night. Now with social media and the news, with the cycle goes, we start to see these people every day. Someone like Pete Davidson right now. I mean, he's... You know, he does, he's not really big on social media, but obviously he's becoming so newsworthy. Is it get to a point where you get too big for the show where he's just it, – it's hard to see them on SNL because he's so much of a social character per se? Uh, like I, is he taking attention away from the show because he's becoming such an enigma? He's one of the biggest oh, stars in the world. He's uh, in the news Can't, a lot? Well, I mean, yes, he is in the news a lot with the Kim and Kanye, right. and he's dating Kim. Does he just have to embrace and use the show and address it on the show? Like, I, I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you maintain Pete Davidson on the show? Like, is he? And your thoughts right now? Is he getting too big for the show with his, with him all being all over the news? I don't think about it's about being too big. I mean, Eddie Murphy was on the show and he was amazing, and then he was so big. Uh, I think he did Forty Eight Hours while he was still on the show. I believe uh, I know he guest hosted the show while he was still in the cast. So that's pretty yeah. big. Wow. Uh, I don't think it gets bigger than that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty big. So, um, but I don't think there's a too big for the show. I mean, you know, Kate McKinnon's big and she's doing films. I think it's always, there's always room for that. Uh, you could do films and you could do, that social media, I don't know, that is totally different nowadays. I mean, there was really no social media back then. So 
that's hard to to gauge. I think it it just brings more fans probably for the show and for Pete and um, you know and his his relationship. I don't know what's going to happen in his relationship, so I don't know what that's going to how that's going to affect. I have no idea. I <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it doesn't affect my watching of him. I, I still watch him on the show. Uh, when I watch the show, that you know, he's he's a really funny guy. And I enjoy what he does on the show. I especially like his weekend updates the most. Yeah, you know, when uh, Nate the Roxbury, obviously, like I said before, that movie is a movie that I still watch today. Like it just still holds up. It's still fun. It's still funny. It's a big part of my youth, my childhood, and. Again, we still quote it today. When that movie came out, was it a hit overall? Like for you on the other side, like I mean, as a viewer, I thought this movie was great. But was it a was it a did it do well overall? Was it a hit for everyone? Because for me, it was personally it was a hit. But were you guys satisfied with the success of the movie? Uh, well, like anything, I think you're always gonna go like, oh, I wish it could have been this way or that way, or you know, I wish they could have let that scene be more this way. But overall, I think it was pretty good. Um, it was hard in the beginning just because the sketch, uh, we didn't know we uh, we were going to, you know, we were asked to talk. Obviously, it's a film where we speak. And the sketch, we never really spoke in the sketch. So from going from the sketch into the film, we obviously had to uh, learn you know, make them a full-on character. I mean, it's an hour-and-a-half film, so they couldn't just be a sketch character anymore. So they had to be real human beings and carry a story and and have relationships and, you know, a dynamic and chemistry and all these things that entail, that are to be supposed to happen when you're carrying a film. Um, and uh, But that connection between Will and I was really important, I think, most of all. Um but we didn't know that uh, that the I, I think um, wait I'm veering off sorry what am I saying <laughs> <What>? <laughs> did you bring the idea to, when it became it was a popular sketch and when it was gonna become a movie was it was it Lauren who had the idea to make it into a movie or was it you and Will pushing to make this into a movie oh uh, Lauren uh, and um, Amy Heckerling wanted to, to make it happen in the studio Paramount did. Uh, initially, I mean, I, uh, Laura, uh, Will and I got a phone call during Christmas, and this was like, I don't know. I think I was just a. How many months into the show was I? I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I must have been a, f- a full. I think I was a full player then. Yeah, so probably like seven, eight shows into the season that I was in, into the season, and um, Lauren called me and said, "Are you interested in doing a Roxbury?" movie and I was like oh my god uh, and the first thing I thought was like you know what about I would think you would call for a cheerleaders movie before because they spoke at least and <laughs> so I was like what do we do for uh, Roxburgh I mean and then he said why don't you talk to Will and I called Will and uh, and then Will, Will said he talked to Lauren that and I was like do you think we should do a, a uh, Roxbury movie, and he said Amy Herkling's interested, and we're like, oh my god, that could be really cool. She's so, I mean, she did Clueless and Fast Times, and that could be amazing, and, and I guess Paramount would be into it, so we're like, yeah, that'd be really fun. You know, so that's where that's where it, it stemmed from. But, you yeah. know, we were still like trying to figure out what the voices are, what it, who they sound like, and 
you know, stuff like that. And we didn't really know until we had a meeting with Paramount and, and, uh, the head of Paramount was like, so what do you, what do these guys sound like? And Will uh, and I looked at each other and we're like, uh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and then Will goes, I don't know. What's up with you? And then the <laughs> Paramount was like, Hey, <laughs> I could like, literally oh, okay. listen. I got a good starting point. I could listen to these like origin stories all day long. I love finding out just how the the sauce is made. It's really fun. I, you know, you've you've mentioned a couple big names here, like Steve Carell, Jim Carrey, Jennifer Coolidge, that all auditioned for Saturday Night Live didn't make the cut. Who do you feel was SNL's like biggest dropping of the ball when they they didn't hire them, but they auditioned? Uh, well, that's a pretty big one. I think Jim Carrey. Uh, and or and I don't know if they dropped the ball. There could be like there was no room. I, I have no idea what the reason was. There might have been another person that was similar at the time. Uh, and Steve Carell, I only heard about Steve Carell when he said it in a monologue. So that was the first time I even heard about that. Um, and um, but I don't know. That's a, a, from what I know. I'm sure there's more. I'm, I'm sure you know, there's a I can ton Google more it right now if you like. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need you to Google. I like it. It's just, it's just fun to hear like the behind the scenes and like yeah, Jim Carrey wasn't Jim Carrey on uh, in Living Color at the time or something. Yeah, Jim yeah, yeah. So it was I probably think just he must have. He probably I don't know if he did or not, but I mean he was a really strong stand up performer before he got Living Color. I remember he did that trick where he'd flip himself over like he grabbed his face here. And then he turns self and he go upside down. Like it's pretty amazing. He's unbelievable. I love yeah, him. Yeah, so unbelievable. Much. Right. So do you do you when was the last time you saw some of your your former castmates like Will or Sherry? I saw Sherry at a, a birthday party years ago, and it was so fun to see her in person. And yeah. I was like, God, if Chris Catan walks through this door right now, I may lose my mind. But <laughs> when was the last time you got to hang out with some of these people? Uh well, Jimmy, like we said, uh saw him uh, last weekend and um uh at my birthday was last october i saw fred fred armson came over for my birthday and uh i, I you know i just keep in contact i mean with COVID, it's very hard to see everyone yeah, true COVID obviously. is ruins uh, everything yeah was uh, but you know i you know those guys uh in yeah, and Seth I saw it in December and some cast members. Yeah, I mean that, yeah. So of that, I haven't seen Sherry in a long time. Um, and yeah, but we all kind of keep in touch, you know. Um, you know, we'll text Maya back and forth sometimes and, you know, but that was a really, really strong cast. And I think we really, you know, that was a great cast because it, I mean, obviously the talent, sorry. Obviously, the talent um, was. Do you uh, have a disco ball on your ceiling, Chris? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not for any other purpose. That was a sketch that I did. I have this show called. Uh, I'm doing these shorts on a, a series called Hey Catan. It's on YouTube, uh -huh. and uh, we just do these uh, sketches and shorts, and I write them and perform on them. If you guys, yeah. By the way, it's a show called Hey Catan. It's on YouTube and. You could check that out, but that was part of a sketch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just got a little nightclub, and, and the 
the, guy, your house. the guy producing was like, I'll just leave this here. I'm like, well, <laughs> I kind of want it off, but <laughs> so it's been there. So now everybody's like, is that a disco ball on your ceiling? So it's gotten more like questions like, is that a disco ball on your ceiling than any <laughs> usage? There's been no usage at all. Just the question, is that a disco ball on your ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell tell us more about your, your, your YouTube channel. I want to hear about this. Um, it's called Hey Catan, and, and um, we have a new short every week. And, um, you know, the last one we did, uh, it, it's just... It's really cool to get to do. I like. I love doing. I miss doing sketch. So we um, we do sketches or shorts. You know, like five, six minute shorts, and um, with this really good crew. And uh, you know, we're just starting out. So, um, but uh, if you look up Hey Katan or go through my Instagram, which is Chris Katan Official, and there's a link for it, and you subscribe and all that stuff. But um, and are you writing? Out. So are I, you I just, writing all um, these? I love working with other. It's a great excuse to work with other comedians, and um, you know, a lot of up and coming comedians that are from stand up or in improv groups like the Groundlings, or you know, uh, it's just um, there's so much talent out there, and um, they seem to love to work with me, and I love working with them, and uh, I get to know them, and you know, it's just a great, really great comedic world out there, and I think uh, they all need a they all deserve to be seen and you know it'd be it's it's fun to work with so it's called hey katan is what we call it right now like hey katan awesome and people are like oh you mean like uh like uh hey hey katan is in the that what was that 70s show with the barn characters like what was it called uh who uh oh, i forgot the name of it with the people with the corn stalk and all that what was it called? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> <laughs> Probably better that I don't say it. <laughs> you know, mom, pa with the price tag on her. Oh, Are you talking about um, hee haw? <laughs> They're like, is no it idea. like hee haw? I'm like, no, it's not like hee haw. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will definitely hey. tell people to check out Hey Katan then, for sure. It yeah, sounds hey funny. Uh, and I love any of your work, honestly. I like, like we said, both Adam and I—we've been huge fans of yours for our life, and uh, well, you've just—you've you made us laugh so much that it was really fun getting to chat with you today. And you know, if anyone wants to check out Chris, he's all over social media. He's at Chris Catan Official on Twitter. He's at Chris Catan, and on YouTube, you can go check out Hey Catan. And uh... <laughs> are you a wrestler, by the way, or are you just a fan of wrestlers? Uh, I have a business that we sell fantasy football championship belts and trophies and awards. And so this is my office here at, at work. Oh, that's cool. That's How much is that one? It, it's it's <laughs> called Trophy Smack. So that's we, we what did you say? How much is the big belt? Well, this one we did for the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. So this oh. was like uh, a $300 belt uh, is a replica. And then these ones are like 199 bucks. That's really cool. Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. And uh, he's in business with the Mark Cuban. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, so we got some fun stuff. Happening. Yeah. That's rad. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. But no, honestly, thank you so much for, for sitting down and chatting with us and just reminiscing about, you know, some of these uh, fun moments in SNL history that uh, have made us laugh for so many years. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. Really appreciate thank it. you. I, it sounds like we kiss ass, but it's true. Chris Kattan, for me, was a big part of my 
of my life. And, and it sounds so weird, but like when I first started watching SNL, he was my graduating class. Like I wouldn't say he was my Pete Davidson, but he was like, you know, how some people look at Pete Davidson. That's why I looked at Chris Kattan, Will Ferrell, you know, Jay Moore. Like, and he was on for such a long time of the show that he was there during some very significant years where, in my opinion, the sketches during his time were just boom, boom. Dude, it was the best time of Saturday Night Live. Like, hands down. Well, I don't know. Kate McKinnon. There, there's some more recent people that are pretty amazing. But Will Ferrell, Sherry, Molly Shannon. Like, that was a killer killer class at Saturday Night Live. So cool. And then Night the Roxbury, again, is a movie that I still watch every year, easily every year. And if it's on, I will always watch it. Um, I am, I don't want to get too personal, but I was like, how much money do you make still a year from Night the Roxbury? But I am curious in that. I just didn't have the balls to ask that. <laughs> we asked Suzanne Summers if how much she's made off her thigh master, but uh, you were worried about Chris Kattan. Yeah, I guess. And then because how much money do you make? How much money do you make? <laughs> Not as much as you, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> now, really fun to talk to him. So I'm glad that got set up. Really uh, cool guy. When I met Sherry O'Terry, dude, she, same, just like knocked it out of the park for me. Just Wait, so funny. You mentioned that. Where'd you meet yeah. her? So I met her at a birthday party for Matt Weiss. Matt Weiss, who used to work with us at TMZ. Um, he had, I, I don't remember what birthday party it was, like what year, I mean. Um, but it was Sherry O'Terry. Oh, that was the party that um, Richard Simmons showed up to. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it was Richard Simmons, Sherry O'Terry. There was, I think, Lance Bass showed up that year or something. Um, there, there was, like, a ton of people. Matt Weiss knows everyone. And um, I sat and talked with her for quite a while, and she was so funny. It was just a really surreal moment. But also, I chatted with Richard Simmons for a while, too, and that was also super surreal and then like three months later he disappeared since then wow but i mean it's crazy because it's been years since we've seen richard simmons anybody's seen him and i'm telling you i was one of the last people to see richard simmons like one of the last at wow. this birthday party and then weeks later it was like that was that was it he was gone and no one I, we've seen a shoe that's all we've seen a shoe how great was richard simmons he was awesome, dude. He is the friendliest. So friendly, so funny. And once you met him, you understood what he did. Like he was like you understood who he was when you met him. Like, oh my God, he made working out fun. He well, made he made you know, he made it's not even about working out fun. He made people feel good about themselves yes. and work out. It didn't matter your size, it didn't matter your gender, it didn't matter anything. He made you feel good about yourself, and that's what people liked about him. But it's also the thing that he got ridiculed about because people couldn't understand why are you, why are you constantly so happy? Why are you peppy and all of that? And that's why they tried to tear him down. Man, I miss Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. <laughs> it was such a happy time in our lives. He was such a great guy. But we, we have a we have a. a one of his calendars here at the office. <laughs> no calendar. <laughs> we got some good photos of me and Richard Simmons from over the years. So I don't know. It's cool to have. But guys, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, make sure you like and subscribe. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're on it all. We also have a private private Facebook group where you could guys send us questions that we can't really legally answer on air, but we'll send you uh, some answers. Uh, and if you want to see content that you can't find anywhere else, seriously, follow our TikTok video. We have the best celebrity content out there. 
Um, that's Hollywood Raw Podcast. My name's Adam Glenn. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on that stuff. So is Dax Holt, D-A-X-H-O-L-T. We'll see you guys next time. A Huda Media Production.